0: Love can be such a non-word sometimes. It loses its meaning, its potency, you know, like, I really love a cheeseburger, and then I really love, you know, like, a sunny day, and then I really love my family, like, none of those loves are remotely the same, they're totally different things, you know. really difficult to write a song about love or even use the word love in a song you know because of what does it mean what does it really mean you know I'm just really excited to play like I love you You know good crowds when they sing and like I I like it when they feel like they're part of what's going on you know because to me it's not about playing perfect music as much as it's about like Uh, almost kind of like a relationship with each other. About seven years ago, when I was down in Jacksonville, Florida, I flew down there to work in the studio. And while I was down there, we got a call that several of our friends had been in a a really bad car accident. And um, later on that night, I found out that uh, one of my best friends, uh, Steve, had died as a result of injuries from that accident. I woke up the next morning and I was uh, just really angry and confused and and hurt, you know. And I process things through music, you know, that's just how I do um, deal with my issues. And so um, I really needed, I felt that I really needed some sort of I needed to have some sort of conversation with God because I was really, really frustrated. I felt like there were some things I needed to say. So that's what I would do through the music. And that's really a lot of where the song, How He Loves, came out of was I needed these words. I needed this conversation. I'm really looking forward to playing music tonight. I'm really excited to um, be with all the people who are going to be there. He is jealous of me the hurricane i am the the love i'm singing about in that song is really is not a pretty clean it's not a hollywood hot pink love it's um it's a kind of love that's willing to love things that are messy and willing to love even the difficult and sort of um you know kind of gross kind you That's really the kind of song I wanted to write It's through this frustrating period and he could, you know, in my anger and my resentment, And in my frustration, he could still love me through that. You know, and and in this process of dealing with the, uh, my buddy dying, and and, um, he could love me through that. He was okay, he wasn't, you know, offended at the fact that I was angry at God. Just looking at these old uh, lyrics. You know, you think after seven seven years, it's still really tough. This song isn't a celebration of weakness and anger. It's a celebration of a God who would want to hang with us through those things, who would want to be a part of our lives through those things. And despite who we are, He would want to be a part of us and be a part of our community and be a part of our family. That's that's the kind of love I, I think I'm talking about.
1: Church. Um, Very powerful media clip this morning. Um, Every time I've watched it, I've just burst into tears. So uh, I was hoping I'd be able to keep myself together this morning. I thought I'm never going to be able to get up and speak, but uh, I actually ducked my head at the bit where I always cry at. So So I didn't uh, start this morning. Um, Quite ironic that we're talking about big love and we roll out the smallest preacher that we've got in the church. So uh, um, But size is not dependent on, it's a heart thing, isn't it? It's not just about about the size. I want to start this morning by reading Romans and chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. For those of you that saw the wedding, I mean, wasn't it it a great, uh, those of you that enjoyed it, some of you may not have watched it, we thought in our house it was absolutely brilliant. We'd got me in in tears on the settee and Chris and Josh going, come on, England, and uh, it was absolutely brilliant, but um, uh, we haven't pinched this text from uh, what James Middleton brought, although we read it extremely, extremely well, Um, but yes, it's the same same, uh, scripture that they had at the wedding, so... Um, that's a, a good thing this morning. At Romans chapter 12 and verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Moving on to verse 20. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This morning we're going to talk about, as we've said, big love. In a world where we're surrounded by um, songs about love, films about love, programs about love. Um, One of my favorite films is Sleepless in Seattle, You Got Mail, Notting Hill. All those great romances that us women love and never get tired of watching. But love can be something that we talk about when we mention our favorite food. ...to actually something that we say in our wedding vows. It's a word that is just generally used so much around our nation. Scott Mills on Radio 1, for those of you that listen to him... ...he he, he finishes his program by saying with uh, with a lot of the guys who, who phone him in... ...love you Scott, love you mate. These people have never even met. But it's a word that's just banded around. But the love I want to talk to us about this morning... In the Greek, is called agape, love. It's a love that sent Jesus to the cross. It's a love that's sacrificial. For those of us that, um, you know, we celebrated Easter last weekend, and many of us may have watched the film over the weekend, The Passion of the Christ. It was on again. And, and, and you, s- you see the film there that, that shows you the nails going into Jesus' hands. The the blood, the the agony that Jesus was in as he gave everything for us. It's that type of love I want to talk to us about this morning. Love is not, this type of love is not just an emotion. This type of love is not just something we do because we feel like it. This type of a love is a love that Jesus gave everything for and demands our all. Sir Isaac Watts, in that great hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, says it this way, with a whole realm of nature mine that were an offering far too small. Love, so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. As I was just putting this together um, over the last week, I really felt God challenge me and to challenge us to say, come on, we can do better. We can do better in loving, in sharing, in giving. God gave everything for us. Now, this week uh, on Thursday, we didn't have worship practice, and uh, Josh invited the universal team round on Thursday night, and uh, Chris and I Clear off out the way when the guys are around. But before we did, I had the privilege of having 10 minutes just chatting through with uh, Jared and with Kev, sat at the table about, um, you know, how excited we are about the things of God and the things we're seeing in the life of the arena. I love talking to these guys. They inspire me so much. And we were just talking about a few stories we'd heard on podcast. And, 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 and Jared and I were talking about, you know, wanting to see miracles and, we, you know, seeing Linda. We'd, we'd love to lay hands on Linda and see her healed. And they're all great things. They're all things we desire. And then Kev just reminded me of this great scripture in 1 Corinthians 13. He didn't to say all of this, but he did remind us of this scripture. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love... I am a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but I do not have love, I gain nothing. The beginning of the year... um, we often talk in the worship team about setting our goals for the year, and uh, it 's something as a family we 've done for many, many years. we write things down you know what what are we 're aiming for what are we 're going for, and Abby said to me. Um, what are your long-term goals then, Julie? What what is your long-term plan? And it it just inspired me to to go home and think, what is my long-term? This is not just about building houses. This is not just about building this or that. This is what is my long-term. What do I, Julie Turner, want to be known for on my gravestone? And I went home and the next morning got up and spent some time with God in prayer. And my number one goal, I wrote down three things, and my number one goal was to walk. In love, we say it, I surrender all, but I know I can do better. And I'm really believing and praying and beseeching you this morning. And I feel God is earnestly saying to us as a Urena church, guys, we can do better. We so come to church and we want to come and hear God for our problem and in our situation. And there's nothing wrong with that. But God says, you know, we keep filling up, we keep filling up, but we're meant to fill up to give out. One of the great things I heard on podcast this week was when God fills us with the Holy Spirit, it's not to make us a lake, it's to make us a river. God fills us up so that we can Go out and we can give out. We come to church to be filled up to then Monday to Saturday. Go and give out in this world. Guys, if we don't do it, who's going to do it? If we are so full of our problems and our situations that we can't reach a lost and dying world that needs Jesus, who is going to do it? We are just this weekend uh, of, of the big idea. We're saying, church, this is our chance to say we're going to love and serve our community. We're going to show the people of Ilkeston that we love them. We love them. So Julie, I'm tired. Julie, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know how I feel. I just don't feel adequate to do all the things you're talking about. I just want to bring three points to us very quickly this morning of how we, of the who, the when, and the what of love. The who, the when, and the what. So firstly, the who. So who should we love? What I want to say here is before we can love anyone else, we've got to know that we love ourselves, that God loves us. That great video message that we saw there um, was talking about, you know, sometimes we we can feel um, messed up inside. This was a guy who wrote a tremendous song out of a hurt over losing someone, someone he loved desperately, and he was feeling hurt. But God still, he knew that God still loved him. In his mess, God still loved him. We are not a surprise to God. If you have a day when you mess up, God saw it. God didn't think, well, you know, they've messed up now. Forget it. I don't love them anymore, which is how we can be. But God saw every day you lived and saw every day from now till you go to eternity, praying that you do, that everything... Everything you do in between now and then, God saw it. And he still loves you with a passion. And he said, now, that love that I'm showing to you, you need to go and show it to somebody else. If you need a blessing, if you need a miracle, go and serve somebody else's blessing. Go and help somebody else to do their miracle. And God will bless you in the meantime. You need to love yourself. In the, um, the scriptures, Matthew 20 Jesus said, the first commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. You've got to love yourself. So secondly, moving on, we need to love our neighbor. We've had many different neighbors over the years in our house. I'm sure some of you may have some great neighbors. Some of you may have some... Terrible neighbours. Now we, in our old house, our our neighbours are really good now, by the way. (laughs) For those of you that know where we live, (laughs) Um, but our old neighbours, there was a couple over the road, and I have to be honest, they were really grumpy. You know, and I can remember Chris saying, "Is it worth speaking to?" You know, he sort of grunt. Yeah, good morning, God bless you. But but we determined that we were still going to say you know, good morning to these guys, because you just don't know. They know we went to church. They they knew that, but you don't know what difference it's making in people, even if they don't seem to respond, do the right thing. We also find out one of our neighbors, lovely old lady called Gladys, she was um, mainly housebound, and we didn't realize that. When we found out, we would make a point of at, um, at Christmases and and around special occasions, Mother's Day, I remember one year we just took her a little gift over. It wasn't anything major. It was just a bunch of flowers, a card. I'd sit with her for half an hour, talk to her. That meant the world to this woman. Are we on the lookout for people, not just our neighbours in our where we live, in, but what about our neighbours at work? Are we, are we just going to work with a bumper sticker on our car? You know, do we just wear a badge? Or are we actually practically showing people that we love them? People don't care what you know until they know how much you care. They want you to show that you love them. They want you to be there when they're in need. If you've got people at work who are making fun of you, who don't really care about the Bible, I can guarantee when they are in their darkest night, who will they turn to? It will be you. Will you pray for me? Will you help me? Guys... Let's just be neighbors. Let's love our neighbors at work, at home. The Bible tells us to love our enemies. This is a difficult one. What about those who've really hurt you? What about those that actually you'd rather smack (laughs) than love? The Bible, it's a command God tells us to love us. What he says in Luke chapter 6 is, if you love those who love you, what quality of credit and thanks is that to you? Even the sinner's love. Those that love them. We need to love our enemies. It's not easy, guys. When Jesus went to the cross, it wasn't easy. This is a sacrificial love. This is a love that says, no matter what, I'm going to find a way to love them. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. If you've got people in your world, family members who make fun of you because you're a Christian, people who just aren't kind to you, love them. Pray for them. Do the right thing. Love, finally, in this area, no, next to finally, your family. Mother Teresa puts it this way. Love begins at home. And it is not how much we do, but how much we love, how much love we put in that action. I think this is an area, you know, in church life, we, can, we, can, we want to love the, the people in the mission field. We want to sow into the poor, the people who are really needed. But what about our family? What about the people on our doorstep? What about those in our life that we see day in, day out? How loving are we with them? It's so easy, isn't it, to put on a brave face when you go out to work or you go out to school or you go out to college and you come home and you're grumpy. You're just not a nice person. Your family are the people who actually need to see the love of God in you because you spend more time with them. They should be the people that we start to love. 1 Timothy, verse 5, tells us, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for those in his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's in the Bible. Now, yesterday, we had the privilege of um, going to a football match now, for those of you that are a Forest fan, I was there yesterday, and it was an absolutely brilliant day. I've actually bought a program, and we went into the hospitality suite. I, I got some napkins with Forest on for Phil. You know, I thought, he's, he's, you know, he's got a great week coming up. He will. I've got him a program and some teacher's pen and all of that. So, um, so I've, I've brought him some stuff home to leave on his desk, which hopefully will, will you know, will uh, brighten his week. But... Um, Talking about this sacrificial love, Chris phoned me up. I, I was coming home after a busy morning. He said, get ready, we're going to a football match. And I thought, oh, great. <laughs> My first thought, oh, great. And I thought, no, Chris says, I want you to come, get ready. I need to do this. Chris wants me to be there. I need to put aside what I want to do. And this was a small sacrifice because actually it was a brilliant Brilliant day. We had a wonderful time. But sometimes in our families, we can sacrifice for everybody else. But our families need to see that sacrificial love too. So finally, the poor. We need to reach out to the poor. This one we get. This is easy. Food bank, mercy offering, people in the street. We need to reach out to them. This we get. I think in church life, we know we need to do this. But how much are we doing? It says, uh, Mother Teresa, another great quote says, Let us not be satisfied with just giving money. Money is not enough. Money can be got, but they need your hearts to love them. They need your hearts to love them. Are we sharing our love with everyone? So moving on to when. When do we love? So, the Mother Teresa quote I just read goes on to say, So spread your love everywhere. In 1 Corinthians 16, it says, Let everything you do, everything you do, be done in love. Everything you do. Julie, I I get it, but you don't know how busy I am. You don't know, you know, everything that I've got to do. I I just want to share you a a story um, from yesterday. Uh, I went to Shybrook with my mum and dad. Uh, it was my uncle's 80th birthday, and we had the privilege of surprising him by meeting him in his little coffee shop. He goes to this coffee shop on a Sunday, on a Saturday morning. He goes every Saturday morning, um, gets his 80p mug of coffee and his one-pound bacon cob, and he didn't know we were coming. So my mum said to me, we're going to go and surprise you, Uncle Ken. Would you like to come? And, you know, putting into practice, we need to be loving to our family. I haven't seen this uncle for a long time. So we went. My mum and dad and I, I was leaving the house off prestate State, go and meet him in his coffee shop. We sat in this coffee shop. My other uncle was there. So it was my dad and all his brothers. It was just such a tremendous morning. My uncle came in. It was such a great surprise to him to see us. We cried together. We hugged each other. Told him how much I loved him. He's actually got cancer and he's very ill. And uh, it may be the last time I ever see him. Who knows? But uh, we went. Anyway, we'd done that, and I thought, right, I've done my bit, God, you know. We then go on to the market. We bump into some old friends from Bosworth Street, uh, Roy Smedley, which was great. Saw Roy, saw Doris, gave them a hug. So thought, I'm never going to get any shopping done here. Then we move on, see somebody else. I think, right, now this is my time. This is me and my mum shopping, Shirebrook Market. You wouldn't think it was so busy. I couldn't believe how busy it was. So I'm now in shopping mode. This is it. Me and mom, we're going around looking. In the distance, I see a good old friend of my mum and dad's coming towards us. We call him Uncle Ron. He isn't actually an uncle. Everybody in church when I was little was your uncle. Uncle, auntie, everybody. So Uncle Ron, in the distance, see him coming. He's very, very old. I think he's 80, 86 years. And I see him coming, and, and I didn't do the right thing. I'm now in shopping mode. Me and my mom are looking and focusing on these China mugs, 50-piece sale. You know, we were in sale mode. We're looking at these mugs, and I think, no, I, I, I'm looking at mugs now. So I, I turn, I look at mugs. I sort of half turned and saw Uncle Ron coming closer. Now, Uncle Ron is going blind, which I didn't know. He wouldn't see me at all. I didn't, even then, he's now within 100 yards of me, do the right thing. So, what does God do? I all the time know that God is telling me I need to talk. I know it. I know it. But I am too busy doing what I'm doing. So, what happens is I'm here. Mom is stood here next to me. We're looking at the market store. Uncle Ron, nearly blind, doesn't know it's us, comes and stands. There's hundreds of people in the market. Stands in the middle of me and my mom. God said to me, now you speak to him. We, I turned, I went, Mom, look who it is, like I've not seen him. <laughs> Mom, look, it's Uncle Ron. I haven't seen Uncle Ron for must be 20 years. We hugged. He didn't realize who we were at first because he's very old and dodgy. When he realized who it was, he cried. He's lost his wife several years ago. His best friend died a couple of months ago. He's living on his own. He hardly gets out. He hardly sees anybody. He's telling us all of this, He's just been told that he's got leukemia, and we hugged and we cried, and we shared about the love of God. Our great God is together, and his parting comment to me was, "You have made my day, and I nearly missed it. I nearly missed being a blessing to that guy because I was too busy with my world." What are the simple things? It's not the big stuff, guys. The little stuff. That's all God says. Just be me to people in your world. Just share a story. Just hug people. Just be there for people. Talk to people. Do we trash the hotel rooms when we go and stay, with the, stay in a hotel room thinking somebody else will tidy it up? It doesn't matter. What about putting your rubbish away in McDonald's? You know, are we thinking, oh, well, it doesn't matter. It's McDonald's. that Somebody else will do it. Are we being a good example everywhere we go? This is a funny one. We were... Um, uh, in, in Costa, Chris and I, a few weeks ago, I probably shouldn't say that, but we, we were in, uh, in Costa a, a few weeks ago. Chris and I were just sat having this really terrible, great coffee, and um, uh, sh- we, we were sharing one, because it was so great that we shared one. And we're just sitting there, and Guy at the counter, was, there was two on, there were only two people on, it was late one Friday night. It comes from behind the counter, there's a, there's a, a screen, sort of section in the store off goes and stands behind the screen, starts texting. <laughs> Obviously not allowed to text on shift. Obviously his boss is already on shift, so he comes behind. Chris and I thought it was hilarious. Starts texting, doing this, thing, and then puts his... and carries on, you know, cleaning tables, doing what he's doing. But, guys, just tell you that very quick, simple story, to say that, are we being a good example at work? Are we taking the mick with using the internet when we shouldn't? Do you know that apparently... Most businesses now lose two hours a day from their staff by them being on the internet and Facebook. Let's pray to God that that's not any of us. I was there one time. I abused it and uh, nearly got into serious trouble about it. Guys, we need to be doing the right thing, showing love wherever we go. The Bible says in Proverbs, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So if you're feeling tired this morning, if you feel like you need somebody to be a blessing to you, you go be a blessing. You go show love to somebody else. And the Bible says you will be refreshed. And finally, the who, the when, the what. Uh, Chris is just going to put a slide up of the most famous verse about love. In Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, which is love is patient. These are all the things that love should be. Kind, patient, not jealous, not bragging, not arrogant, not rude, not selfish. If you don't know that scripture, go and read it. 1 Corinthians 13, what a great scripture that is on love. But I, I, one thing I wanted to point out was in Galatians 5, And verse 22, it gives us a list of the fruits of the Spirit. Have you ever noticed, and some of you may have heard me mention this before, the the gifts of the Spirit start with love and end with self-control. Is there a reason for that? Do they start with love because joy and peace and faithfulness and gentleness all flow out of, if we start to love, all of this stuff, will flow out of us, the joy, the peace. As we love others, we become more joyful. As we put other people's problems first, we're more at peace. And are they held together by self-control? Because it takes self-control to love on the days you get up and you don't feel like it. Let's be honest, guys. We don't feel like loving every day. I just shared with you my simple example of turning my back on my Uncle Ron yesterday because I was busy doing what I was doing. And all God says is, guys, I just want you to love. This is sacrificial love. But the benefits far outweigh the sacrifice. Just want to read in conclusion a scripture from John chapter 21 and verse 15. This is Jesus talking to Peter just before he went to the cross. This is one of the the, the last discussions that Jesus has. With Peter, You would think that if Jesus knows he's going to die, that he is going to make sure one of the last things he ever shares with Peter is something important to share with him. And what does Jesus say to Peter? Peter, do you love me? How many times have we stood in worship and said, God, I love you. I surrender all. Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? Peter says, you know I do, Lord. You know I love you. And what does Jesus say? He doesn't say, go build a great business. Make sure you look after your house well. Make sure that you've got a nice home, a great career. They're all great things, guys. They're all good things. But this is what was important to Jesus. He said, feed my lambs. That was Jesus' comment to Peter. He says to Peter again, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yeah, God, you know I love you. Take care of my sheep. Just a thought here. I don't know, and Phil will probably, and Christian, correct me on this if, if I'm completely wrong. Just had a thought. Does Jesus use the word lambs and sheep because he wants us to make sure we feed the young and the old? You know, just a thought, Julie Turner thought there. And then a third time. Now, you know if Jesus asks you something three times, you'd probably think, for goodness sake, God, I've told you I love you. I've told you. I've told you that, yeah, you know this, I've told you. But it's as if Jesus wants to say to us this morning again, church, do you love me? I've asked you this before. Do you love me? Go, feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Be on the watch for people who need a word, You need an encouragement. It's got to be you. Jesus isn't on this earth in his physical form. He is on this earth living through us. And he says to Arena Church this morning, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. This love is a sacrificial love. It's not a love built on feelings. But church, when Jesus walked this earth, he was all about doing God's will. It was all about loving people. You didn't see Jesus doing what he wanted to do. What he did was he served the people. And the only time he went away from serving the people was when he needed a rest and when he went to pray. God is crying out to us as Arena Church this morning. Don't wait until you feel like it. Start today. Let's make a decision to walk In love. Amen.